Hello there, SE land. This is Twig. Twig's SE Reflections coming back to you here at episode 56 after a unexpected hiatus. Who would have known? Let's give you the background story. You could think that a three-week pause in publishing after promising an episode per Saturday for the time to come until episodes 100 comes around, you'd expect that I was going to actually follow through with that. And if I had a pause, that maybe it means that I don't care or that this isn't something that's on the top of my mind. But really, what you should know is that right now, as I'm recording this at the beginning of October, this is the very first free moment of attention that I've had in order to be able to come back to sharing these words with you. And that is because of an unexpected interruption that took place three weeks ago when I completely undercoupled at the San Francisco International Airport on my way over to Japan, and I left my computer in the waiting room. You know that that place you kind of sit? You sit and you wait. You wait until they call your airplane, and when they call your airplane, you get up and you leave. Well, my computer was it was stuck in the wall. And I got on the plane. I was excited because my friend and former partner and colleague, Angela Mestrenet from Brazil, and I were meeting there, and we were headed over to Japan to help finish the Advanced 2 training with Stephen Hoskinson and the Kobe Japan assisting team. was really, really good. But you don't know that right before I left my computer there, I had been finishing episode 56, episode 56 of this podcast, Twig's SE Reflection, made for SE practitioners everywhere, just off-the-cuff thoughts and meditations on what I think about as an SE practitioner and what I often share with people when we're chatting in different kinds of places, like out there in Kobe, and, and well, there it was, episode 56. That episode was going to keep us rolling because then I had the other stuff to set up behind it. Hmm. I left my computer. It was picked up by the lost and found, fortunately. But then I didn't have it for two weeks. When I came back, I immediately jumped into a whole other role I have in the world where I was out in the land with 100, 120 people. We were camping in the old ways making fire without friction. Actually, we didn't make fire this year because we were in a fire ecology zone that hasn't had any moisture for a long time. So we just had really cold nights. So I was teaching classes about how to stay warm without fire and how to make fire once we finally get that opportunity back and also stress response stuff. Anyway, I was living out on the land in the old ways. Today, my first day back in the office, in the studio, and you're my very first thing to come talk with, to come do, make this podcast. Episode number 56, Hello, SE Land, I'm back. Hope you've been well. I've had a great time myself. I've been doing good. Let's see. Let me tell you what episode 56 was about. I actually did it at the airport. It was going to be a little experiment to make it live. I recorded it at the San Francisco airport. No, excuse me, at the Seattle airport at 5 a.m. in the morning. 
I, I thought it was going to work. Here, this is what I was going to say. I don't know if you know this, but there's a number of traditions in the somatics lineages, the somatics traditions, that have created various different postural maps, maps by which we can more or less take a look at somebody and have a reference for what's going on in their body. And some systems would then be able to say that they perceive then what's going on in the psyche, or some of us would say what's going on in the autonomic nervous system. That's how I might read a lot of these things nowadays, through the lens of the polyvagal maps, polyvagal theory kind of stuff. Then there's just this kind of flowering of these different kinds of maps of like these different postural forms that people take on, different ways people walk, the turn of the hip, the kind of tension in the neck, the lack of movement in the face, all of these things are ways to read and see what's going on inside of a person's organism. And subsequently, of course, there are various different systems of therapeutic process and observation and such that have tried to design and develop different ways of perceiving what these forms mean, you know? Okay, so that's cool. And, and it's also very helpful to know about some of these. It's also sometimes maybe just a little bit um, too much, but that's a personal judgment kind of thing. One thing that goes along with the reality of these maps is that as practitioners, as people out there in the day-to-day -day working with individuals, those maps are meant to help us try to read people very quickly, get to know people very quickly, be able to perceive, generally speaking, what we might be anticipating as we move into a person's content and um, kind of help to guide their experience towards something more successful, yeah? Some kind of change that is going to be able to integrate. Maybe that's something that we're looking for and being able to see what a person's dealing with and and what what their organism is kind of broadcasting in terms of both their state how they're doing what kind of nervous system reference or subsystem is referencing like how they should be behaving and feeling and then also the accumulation of wear and and activity in their body which may or may not indicate various different kinds of things about either their developmental process as some character structure maps would offer and some of them very very compelling and and highly refined for example body dynamics somatic psychotherapy from Denmark with a very very refined postural map including various different turnouts of the hip and wings of the hips is one place of this and wings of the scapula is another to be able to see very refined kind of nuances about various different developmental windows in a childhood that those the muscles associated to various different postural shapes would indicate different ways of engaging with the environment in terms of development and consequently the body kind of 
developing around those messages of the environment. That would be one way that body dynamics might lend its awareness and then help a practitioner have a very, very refined map of being able to look at a person's body and kind of see their developmental material. Hope I explained that well enough. Other maps are more simple, simplified. You know, Thomas Hanna, Hanna Somatics, right there in the lineage of kind of what leads up to or what we're kind of walking along in this plane in the in the in the playground, playing in the sandbox together. This we're all in here together. Hanna Somatics has a a very nice tight group of maps. This red light, which we might see as more like a collapse posture, kind of a contraction folding in the body, and a green light, which we might see as an approach, you know, or kind of a fight flight kind of posture, more on the fight side, but like a um, let's see an extension of the spine, kind of a a chest outward kind of motion, and then he he has a few more, but you can they would have then these maps fairly simplified anisomatics to be able to read postural form rolfing same thing spend a lot of time looking at co-contraction and and what what systems are looser and which are tighter which of course would lend closely to how we might look at one of our postural maps this kind of notion of overcoupling and undercoupling and which parts of the body tend to express hypertone, more tone, which just happens to match the same kind of thing as the early, no, excuse me, the late postural forms found in body dynamics, and then hypotone, where there is a kind of a flaccidity in the muscles. In our th way of thinking or our terminology, we might call that undercoupling. Over in Rolfing, they'd have phrasing for that, and body dynamics, that everybody, we have all these maps looking at a very similar organism, our organisms, and how humans kind of wear into themselves and kind of move through both what they've kind of developed as coordination and and kind of like successful movement patterns, and then also, you know, parts of our bodies that become challenged and more that we have some way of saying it, compensatory patterns compensatory patterns for dealing with like maybe parts of our hip get a little over over taut or locked up or the connective tissue doesn't move through there or our psyche gets too tight around that part however it might go in this mind-body connection kind of way our hips don't move very well and so when we walk we maybe have to rotate out with our lower leg muscles in order to roll our foot outside of the limited range that our hip doesn't lift our foot off of the ground and consequently we get a little bit of a, a like a wobble to our walk a little bit of a, a kind of a not so straight line it kind of wobbles back and forth there are ways to see these things and when i was passing through the airport system three weeks ago now i was thinking about you all and I had set myself up to, to do a, a kind of a live broadcast, not to comment on anybody that I was watching, but just to talk about this notion that goes along with certain things that I've heard said from, say, Peter Levine about how important it is to see, 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 to watch. You can learn so much from watching and how important it is to let yourself absorb people's form 
and maybe how important it is to take the opportunity sometimes to sit at a park bench or a place where many people are passing, like the airport system. And just let your mind absorb, let your eyes see how it is that people move, how it is that people look at each other or don't, how it is that people's faces move, where their head and neck lives on their body, where their their role in their in their body happens as they walk or sit or get up or move around. And of course, from within all of our various different maps, if a person were to do that, you could very quickly start to make little hypotheses or little theories about what this says about what their body's feeling or what their body has gone through or what this interaction that you're witnessing between them and their child and the the quality of the engagement, what that suggests about their own developmental experience. And all of that, all of those ideas and hypotheses could easily come through. And, and should they, they will. I, it's part of the exercise, in fact. I'll just kind of counsel you here. This is Twig saying, you know, if you let yourself do this, try to be gentle with your presumption that you know what's going on there. You're just watching from afar. You're just letting yourself get the idea of recognition, the idea of pattern, the idea of curiosity. What would that suggest? But also the, the skill of observation where you allow yourself to see what stands out, what movement doesn't, doesn't move congruently with the rest of the system. You, you get to observe the quality of movement and you get to allow yourself to be curious about those things just in passing and not to be rude, not to be judgmental, not to be presumptive that you know about this person because you maybe know some of those maps, more that those maps help to guide where would you be paying attention and what could you speculate about. And then I guess I would just counsel, we remember that quote from Peter Levine, which I, I really like, that one where he says, I... I never trust my hypothesis unless I have two, three, or better four channels all telling me the same thing. So that if we, we see somebody's walk and we come up with a judgment about them or we, we look at the pace of their speech and we come up with a comment about what that says about their nervous system state, that if we were actually trying to get a clear idea about what's going on there, we would know particularly in our sessions in our office, that we need at least two, if not three, and ideally four different channels of kind of physiological or psychological expression all telling us the same thing before we go, I know who this person is and what's happening here and what that indicates about what should happen next. That's when you start laying out your, your stuff on, you know, clinically relevant. You start directing attention from there. On the way there, we have to be able to observe. And a lot of us, this is what I was going to say, about this time of year, we go through the airport system on the way to these trainings, these usually advanced two trainings. A lot of people are traveling and we're doing a lot of deep somatic feeling resonant kind of stuff at this time of year. A lot of the folks that are finishing the training are in that. It's a really nice space to be in, a little deeper somehow. And sometimes it's nice to, um, well, it's an opportunity, I should say, 
to just be curious as we pass through the airport system and maybe gentle with our eyes because, be, because of course, one of the things we come to recognize is that a lot of people are in a lot of pain. And when you come to see what those compensatory patterns indicate, you can see people's pain rather readily and easily. Got to go gentle with that. And at the same time, it's a good opportunity to see lots and lots of bodies when we're passing through the airport system. And I kind of recommend that you take that opportunity if you have it. I meant to say that a few weeks ago, early in September, as it is, it's early in October now, and I think that's where I'll let that go. We have lots of maps. They're very helpful. I'd caution leaning too heavily on them when you don't have lots of supporting evidence, but instead use them as as proof positive that one of the responsibilities as a somatic therapist, I would say maybe particularly as a somatic somatic experiencing practitioner, is to become aware of some of those maps, particularly the polyvagal map, where we're able to see in people's posture and form and movement and pace, their quality of of head and neck movements and their facial expressions and these kinds of things. We'd rather see somewhat spontaneously over time what that might indicate about what their nervous system is doing. And one of the ways to do that is to watch a lot of bodies and try to let yourself become aware of how people move and what people look like. And that is that. Okay, as you land, I'm I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. Okay, welcome back. Bye-bye now. Here's a little tracking twig moment for October. I'm going to be mostly on the phone doing phone consultations for anybody who might be interested in some of my counsel for their somatic experiencing practice. You can find me at liberationispossible.org backslash schedule. Also, I'll be in Seattle, third weekend of October, also there on the schedule. Other than that, I'm going to be working on web projects, this here podcast, SE Reflections for y'all, and then bringing out a little bit more refinement in Twig's SE Languaging Guide after having gotten a few more people signed up last month. Gave me a little support for putting a little bit more into that. Okay, that's where I'm going to be most of October. I'll have more to share soon. Take good care. Ciao.